0: Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tebaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gilda's Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at more than 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. Now, if you don't already agree with me that boxer Danny Jacobs' story will make the list of the top 10 most memorable moments of 2014, you will by the end of this show. Uh, Who can forget the image of Danny standing in the ring, hands raised in victory, cheered on by thousands at the Barclays Center, having just become the WBA middleweight champion? But this alone is not what makes the moment notable. You see, in 2011, Danny was diagnosed with an aggressive bone cancer called osteosarcoma. It caused partial paralysis of his legs and damaged nerves in his spine. Doctors didn't even know if he would ever walk again, so Danny is not just a WBA champion. He's also the first cancer survivor to win a major boxing uh, championship. Uh, I'm thrilled to have Danny as our guest today. I want to tell you just for a minute or two about his cancer journey. Um, Danny uh, grew up in Brownsville, one of the toughest neighborhoods in Brooklyn, New York. It's known as the Wasteland. Having an older brother and living in Brownsville made fights a part of everyday life for him. Danny started boxing. When he was 15. As an amateur, uh, he was an alternate for the U.S. Olympic boxing team for the 2008 Beijing Olympics. He also won four New York Golden Gloves championships. In 2007, he officially went pro, signing with two of the most influential figures in boxing, Al Heyman, Floyd Mayweather Jr.'s manager, and Oscar De La Hoya's Golden Boy promotions. Danny is the current WBA middleweight champion and former NABO and NABF middleweight Champions, welcome to the show today, Danny.
3: Oh, thanks for having me. Such a great intro. I really, really, really appreciate it, and it's such an honor and privilege to be on. Thanks for having me.
0: So, um, I just want to uh, jump in. I've got a few few questions to get us started, Danny. I'm Danny, I know that osteosarcoma is a rare. Uh, bone cancer. Our listeners, you know, may not be familiar with its symptoms. We're going to go maybe, uh, you know, back in time a little bit um, to see what led to your diagnosis. But you know, I have a good friend with uh, Parkinson's disease, and he says that a year before his symptoms were visible, his granddaughter had remarked that it took him a long time to count out some money that he was giving her, and he said to me in hindsight that was really for him the first design uh, sign of the of the disease of of of, of Parkinson's. As you look back, um. Danny, can you tell us about what were those first symptoms for you? What really led you to, 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 to go into the doctor? Take us back to the uh, to, to a couple years ago when, when this started.
3: Well, see, the thing is, you know, going back three years when I was diagnosed, I didn't realize initially that um, I had cancer. You know, the symptoms were just weakness of the legs, you know, below the waist, below my navel. Uh, I was you know, slowly but surely, being paralyzed, and it was due to the tumor that was around my spine. But I didn't know this because I was misdiagnosed uh, by the hospital the first time I went, because they said it was um, they said it was a pinched nerve. You know, mm-hmm. so the symptoms that I have as I'm, you know, as it's getting worse, and I'm taking the prescription pills they're giving me to to uh, better myself, it, it, it only was getting worse, and it got mm-hmm. to a point where you know. I, I couldn't walk at all, and I knew something was wrong. But um, I never know when it started. You know, it never it never appeared until it really, really got it aggressive at its uh, finishing stages. So um, it, it probably could have been a, for a, 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 numer- a numerous of months or, or, or a year. I don't know, but, you know, the signs were uh, me partially getting paralyzed in my legs.
0: And so... That, so eventually things got so severe that you actually went to the emergency room. So what, you know, what pushed you to go to the emergency room? Could you not walk? Did you fall? Did you, you know, what, what really kind of pushed you to get into that sort of emergency setting?
3: Well, what happened was uh, it was getting so severe that I remember the night where I was, um, the night before I actually went to the hospital, uh, I was uh, in a, cr- uh, excuse me, I was in a walker. And I made my way upstairs, but I had left my phone inside my car. And at this time, I had moved into a new place, so I hadn't had a a house phone. Um, Mm -hmm. And my godmother, uh, you know, she knew of my situation. And when no one could get in contact with me, because by this point, I was completely paralyzed. And I had no way to to leave the house. I had no way to contact anyone. I had no, no way to do anything for myself. So she miraculously found where I lived. And she uh, she pleaded with the doorman to allow me to, to allow her to come up, mm-hmm. and to if I was okay. And when she found me, you know, I was crawling to open the door for her uh, oh. so that we can do something about it. Because at that point, you know, it it was it was almost like the death.
0: Oh my gosh! Wow, that's so scary. Um, so, did you call an ambulance? Did an ambulance get you and take you to the ER?
3: Yeah, we called. Um, actually, she drove me to the um, to the neurologist. And a neurologist uh, called the ambulance. But when I got to the neurologist, when she see my situation, she immediately called the, the ambulance because she said a patient of hers had the same situation a couple of years back. And that patient mm-hmm. didn't make it. So she said we needed to have immediate surgery and uh, we got the, the, the emergency MRI and they found this tremendous tumor uh, growing around my spine.
0: And so you went into the emergency room, they ran the test, they found the tumor, and then what did they tell you? That they had to do surgery?
3: They told me that um, it was a massive tumor that was um, growing at such a rapid pace, and it was even, they took two MRIs uh, three hours apart, or well, a couple hours apart, and they said that it was still growing from the the, the, the uh, photos that they had of the tumor, they said it was growing so fast. So they said they had to do an immediate and within a couple of hours, I was under the knife. Mm,
0: mm, mm. So they uh, removed the tumor. After you came to, what did they tell you? What did they tell you they found and what did they tell you was going to happen next and what was the prognosis?
3: Well, they told me first off, they told me that uh, it was benign. And I think um, that was due to my godmother who was uh my proxy, she she told them that it would be too much for me mentally to know right. at that particular point in time that it was cancerous. So they all told me that, you know, it was benign and that the only thing I had to do at that point uh was just learn how to walk again to go through physical therapy and uh, you know, try my best to get better from, from that point. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm hmm. And so, so at what point did you find out that it was actually cancer, Danny?
3: I would say about uh, two to three weeks later after I completed my, uh, which was a miraculously uh, fast therapy that I had in a metropolitan hospital in the city, I only stayed there for about two weeks and I was scheduled to stay there for a month. So, um, you know, I was very blessed and fortunate to, to have a fast, rapid recovery. But once I got out of the hospital, uh, I got a phone call from my doctor and my godmother, and they was explaining to me how um, I had to get radiation treatments. And, you know, that was the last thing in my mind because, you know, here I was thinking the only thing I had to do was just get better, walk again, learn the process. And, you know, from that point, I didn't think, you know, it was cancerous. So when they told me, I just, I started crying. And the first thing that came to my mind was just my son and, my family and, you know, how this could affect everyone. You know, my grandmother, who was the closest thing to me in my life, who passed away two years previously to cancer, uh, that's the first thing also that came to my mind because, you know, I thought it was hereditary, you know. I thought I could possibly pass it down to, to my children. So it was a sad point for me just to figure out that I had cancer.
0: And so... So what were the next steps really from there, Danny? You were going through the rehabilitation. Now they told you you actually had to have radiation. You had to have treatment. Um, was your condition really continuing to improve at that point? Um, you know, once you were getting to the point where you were starting radiation, you said you got quickly through the physical therapy. Were you feeling good in your mind? Were you saying, yep, going to get better, getting back to boxing, and that's
3: that? Well, um I remember having a, a roundtable meeting with all the doctors and physicians, and they said that it was probably the, the, the possibly not possible for me to ever box again. And after having them tell me that, you know, that completely switched my whole mind frame around. At one point, initially, when they told me, I was completely sad. You know, I thought my life was... In my career and everything I worked so hard for, uh, you know, just completely went away in the blink of an eye Um, until I started getting the courage. And as I started to progress in in, in therapy, I started to see that there was a chance. And, you know, eventually I started to believe one day I'll be able to do the things I love to do and I'll be able to walk properly again and I'll be able to hold my son and and eventually box, which I did.
0: And so... Initially in your mind obviously you get this news they tell you you might not even be able to walk again so you were I, I, I imagine at that point you were pretty much at a at a at a low maybe the lowest of the low
3: Oh absolutely i i remember countless of nights crying inside the hospital feeling lonely feeling like um you know why me why why how could this ever happen to me um i just felt lost you know having something that I worked so hard for and dedicated and sacrificing uh, my whole teenage, my life, my whole life, you know, I, I just, it was a low point for me because I just couldn't process in my mind how this can be possible for me not to be able to do what I love to do.
0: And do you, you remember Danny, we've got a couple of minutes until our, our first break here, but do you remember the the time or the sort of feeling when that started to turn around where you came kind of started to come out of that low spot and thought, gosh, you know what, maybe I am going to get back to a normal life and I'm going to be able to walk and be with my kids and maybe even box again. Do you remember feeling sort of an emotional turnaround?
3: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I get, tingles and chills just thinking about it even now <laughs> uh, i remember you know my girlfriend and and my godmother and, and everyone close to me at that point when i was just starting to learn how to walk again everyone was so scared and they would try to help me but you know just the champion and the fighter inside me i wanted to do it by myself you know i was like no guys you you know you have to leave me alone let me do this by myself and i remember my first two steps you know, and that was the happiest I've been in such a long time. And, you know, my two steps turned into to, to four steps and four steps turned into eight and then so on and so forth. And, you know, for me, that was the greatest feeling that I've had at that point, you know, going through that whole horrible time. And, you know, it, it was that that started the whole process of me knowing that I can take control of my destiny.
0: Mm, mm, gosh, that's really powerful stuff, Danny. Um, we, uh, we're going to take a quick break here. This is frankly speaking about cancer. They call him the miracle man, Danny Jacobs. We're talking to Danny today about his uh, experience with uh, osteosarcoma. Um, frankly, doctors weren't even sure Danny was going to walk again. He had paralysis uh, in his legs, damage to the nerves in his spine. Uh, Danny recovered, went on. Now he's the WBA middleweight champion um it's it's an it's an amazing story of 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 a triumph of the human spirit an amazing story of victory and really that power and that strength from within that can that can really translate into major changes um in somebody's life we've got a lot more that we want to talk about uh, with danny so don't go away we're just getting started we'll be right back
4: Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit mealtrain.com MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIAB or visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org.
1: Cancer, it's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you of Breakaway from Cancer, created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer.
4: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
2: You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community.
0: Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by Celgene and Azai. I'm Kim Tibaldo. We're talking today to Danny Jacobs. He's the current WBA weight champion and a cancer survivor in two thousand and eleven after an initial misdiagnosis, Danny was diagnosed with osteosarcoma an aggressive form uh, of cancer in fact, doctors did uh, didn 't even know if Danny would walk again uh, after his surgery after removing a large uh, a large tumor so Danny having finally um, You know, diagnosed your condition. You said that that next steps. Let's just take this sequentially a little bit. Next steps, uh, the doctors said, look, Danny, it was cancer. Um, Now we've really got to get you into some treatment. We're going to start radiation. So tell us a little bit about that. How long did you have the radiation? Were you continuing? Could you walk at that time? Were you continuing with physical therapy at that time?
3: Well, by this time, uh, three weeks out before I got out, uh, after getting out the hospital, They scheduled me to go to therapy at a a local uh, uh, therapy place that you know to get better and to be able to structure my legs and be able to do it the proper way. Um, But getting out after you know maybe two, three sessions into doing the therapy, you know I learned. I felt like I learned everything they wanted me to do, so I kind of went to the gym (laughs) and done Mm -hmm. my own therapy. Um, But. During that time, even still, I had to get radiation. So, uh, getting 25 counts, you know, wasn't easy. It was, it was, wow, it was a very hard time for me. What it done uh, is just completely turned my moods around, you know, took my appetite away, it made me feel drained. Mm-hmm. It made me feel just low. And, you know, I didn't want anyone around me. I wasn't in the best moods, you know, so going through a the therapy was probably the hardest time. So, I think I was looking. Uh, for my thrill and to be happy, and just to you know be me that 's why I went to the gym
0: so that 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 was your home basically that 's where you you've really felt at home and the most
3: comfortable absolutely I mean you know you know what they told me was to go to their therapy sessions, do what they wanted me to do, and you know everything would be okay but i 've already heard that you know it was mm-hmm. time for me to take things into my hand and like God to Allow, follow me the way, you know, create the way for me and and, and let me follow. And that's what I did. Um, the, the, the gym was a safe haven for me. You know, it was where I can be happy. It was where I had my friends and everyone who shared the passion with me. And it was a, it was a comfort. And going through the cancer and the radiation, you know, that was my escape route.
0: So that so so that was sort of like your your own support group. You said, "All right, I'm I'm going to the gym. That's where my guys are. They know me. That's where I'm the most comfortable. So that's where I'm going to find really some support." And and that sounds like that really uplifted you.
3: It really did. And that's when I realized that you know it's all about emotions. It's all about your drive. It's all about what you feel inside, about who you are, what you can do. Because if I would have sat back and you know done the things and I just told me to do, or if I would have allowed myself to let them tell me what I can't do as far as living my dream and one day stepping back in a ring, then I would have allowed that to overcome me. And who knows where I would have been. You know, I I probably wouldn't have been able to walk again. So it's all about that determination that I had and that drive and most importantly, the faith that I have.
0: And, you know, I think, Danny, because you're an athlete, you know, you're obviously very, you know, attuned to your body. You had spent all these years training you know and investing in that so do you think that, that 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 made the diagnosis all the more devastating because essentially it was about being physical right being physically active i mean do you think that if you had had let's say a desk job you know maybe the impact <laughs> would have felt felt different for you but but because yeah. of that physicality for you is so much a part of who you are
3: yeah and you're absolutely right I'm, um you know what boxing has done for me is given me the the mental state to be strong and to overcome any obstacle that's put in front of me. You know, I train hard and uh, I do the necessary steps I have to do to be able to overcome and have my hand raised in victory. That's how I looked at cancer. You know, I said, he's not, you know, he's not going to take me down. I'm going to knock him out and you know, I'm going to knock him out for the count. So, you know, that's, (laughs) that's pretty much how I viewed it. And, you know, I was so fortunate and so blessed to be able to get better and to one day fulfill my dreams and step back into that ring. It was, it was truly unbelievable feeling.
0: Danny, take me back to, let's, let's go back before the cancer. Go to, Tell me, tell me a little bit more about your childhood and, and, and when you decided to, to, uh, you know, to become a boxer and really what motivated you down that road.
3: like you said uh earlier that you know growing up in Brooklyn especially the Brownsville area which is probably one of the worst areas as far as of you know violence and uh just gang activities and things of that nature so it was was very rough growing up you know uh what I've seen seemed to be normal and you know it wasn't until where I was about 10 years old that I I got a chance to be a part of a program called the Fresh Air Fund, and and that's when they take me and, you know, I went to Rhode Island and got a chance to see what life was really really was about. And, you know, I got a chance to stay with a family, and, you know, we did different things, and I got a chance to see life, and that's what inspired me to be better. Um, But during my journeys of growing up and trying to figure out who I wanted to be, you know, growing up in such a tough neighborhood, um, I was in school one day, and, and I was almost a victim of being bullied. By one of the biggest bullies in the school at that time and um I stuck up for myself, but you know, we all got in trouble and we got home and you know, our parents disciplined us and told us that, you know, it's not the right way to go about things. So I said, you know what? We can go we can go to the local boxing gym and do it the right way. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's what we did. So we we did it the right way. We went down to the gym and we settled our differences. Um in the right way, but little did I know, I fell in love with the sport. You know, it was something that I found that I enjoyed and that kept my kept me off the streets. And I found myself um, learning that if I got better, that it could allow me to travel and, you know, possibly make the Olympics team. So it was one of those things for me. Boxing was one of those things for me that was just, like I said before, my safe haven. And it took me away from all the negative things that was just around me.
0: And was there somebody in the boxing gym or somebody around you who saw you in the ring and said, you know what? I think this kid's really got, I think this kid's really got something. You know, I think this kid could really go pro.
3: Yeah, it was, um, it was my trainer, actually. My Mm -hmm. trainer who passed away about a year ago. Um, Mm. he, he was my number one trainer from when I started to a year ago, you know, uh, suddenly he passed away from diabetes uh, last year, but Mm. he was the guy that saw me, saw my talents, um, saw a good kid with great potential, and he molded me into being uh, a very strong, humble, and and champion in and out the ring. And you know, I credit him to a lot as far as me being the man that I am and overcoming the things that I've had in my life. Mm,
0: mm, mm. You know, Danny, t- you, you you mentioned along our conversation a, a couple different points of family and others around you who have supported you. Can you tell us a little bit about your family? You talked about your godmother. Tell us about your 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 kids. Tell us about that other sort of support system around you, aside from the guys in the gym and that safe haven. Who else was around you that was really helping you through this?
3: Well, my godmother, uh she was probably the one who really saved my life. My girlfriend, she was there for my support system uh, every day, you know, uh, my, my, my mom, my son, and, and and my dad. You know, I pretty much have a small circle, but it's a very strong circle, and, and, and it's strong enough to uh, fill any void that. We need to, you know, that support that they gave me inside the hospital was tremendous because at points where I given up on myself, they were there to encourage me that everything would be okay, and that I would be better, and that I will one day fulfill my dreams. So, you know, having my family there, having a really good support system in life in general is just amazing because you're able to overcome so many things with people who love and truly care about you.
0: How old How old was your son when you were diagnosed?
3: Oh, uh, he was um he was 2 at the time. Uh, wow. He was turning three, 3 so you know he didn't really understand what was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. So his energy was so positive because all he wanted to do was just see daddy and mm-hmm. you know come to the hospital and visit and I would you know ride him around in my wheelchair and things like that so <laughs> it, you know he he really put a smile on my face and lifts my spirits up inside the hospital as well as you know the rest of my family
0: and how about your uh t- how about your boxing team how, uh, how did how did they react how did the you know the team around you react the guys around you react you know what what was that like
3: well I think um initially I kind of kept it away from everyone just because it was more important things for me just to get better and, and not really let people worry or you know put that out there in the boxing world because I didn't want uh, everyone to know it at the time that I was Still trying to get better. So I kind of kept it from everyone for a while until I, you know, was able to walk again. Then I broke the news to everyone. You know, everyone was sad but very supportive. You know, they didn't know if I were able to, to to one day box again. And, you know, everyone was, man, it was a tough time for everyone. I just remember, you know, sharing tears and sharing emotions and uh everyone just being there for me. You know, it was a tough time, but we all got through it.
0: And and do you think that it was through that cancer experience and that other kind of fight that you had to fight that drove you inside to to become the WBA middleweight champion? Did you did cancer give you a kind of a whole other drive to, to to move you to that victory?
3: Cancer has changed me completely as a man in general. Um, I was this was actually two, three months before I was diagnosed with cancer, I remember talking to God and I was asking God, you know, I came across a word called meek and God said, those who are meek will inherit the earth. And I was trying to figure out what this word meant. And, you know, at that point in my life, I was young, I was up and coming, and I had all the things that I've always wanted in life. And, uh, you know, I asked God about the word meek and what it means and what it is, is just to, to be humbled and, you know, to to really cherish life and, you know, to be respectful and and appreciative of it. So I was allowing, I was asking God if He can show me what this means, you know, because I didn't want to be like the rest of those guys who get all the things they've always dreamed of and then completely turn around on the people uh, who've either helped them or, in general, I didn't want to be that bad guy. So I talked to God and allowed God to you know, live through me and, and, and send me an answer. And two, three months later, I was diagnosed with cancer, you know, mm-hmm. and I remember, you know, questioning, how, how could this ever happen to me? You know, why am I diagnosed with cancer? Why am I paralyzed? How could God allow this to happen to me? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember laying in a hospital one day saying, you know what? This is my opportunity to show God I'm me, to show God that no matter what's, my position is, mm-hmm. no matter what material things I have or don't have or my physical condition, I have life. And I was mm-hmm. grateful for just life alone. And it was such that the emotions that I had when I realized that was so overwhelming that I cried. And from mm-hmm. that point on, I you know, I, I completely changed as a person. I became a better father. I became more understanding, a uh, better son, a better friend and a much more focused and determined man as far as my life Mm. and career goes So, but cancer was a blessing
0: to me uh, I love that Danny I love that message I want to get more into that we're going to take a quick break here this is frankly speaking about cancer we're talking to the miracle man Danny Jacobs we're going to take a quick break here and we're going to be right back
3: I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Communities' Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azai, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day.
4: Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, and over Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Or call 617-733-5848.
2: Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed
4: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
2: You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community.
0: Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by Genentech and Morphotech. I'm Kim Tebaldo, and today I'm joined by Danny Jacobs. In 2014, Danny became the first cancer survivor to win a major world championship when he became the WBA middleweight champion. A few years earlier, Danny was diagnosed with osteosarcoma, a rare and aggressive bone cancer. It caused partial paralysis of his legs and damaged nerves in his spine. Doctors thought that the paralysis Uh, Might well be uh, be permanent, Um, Danny. I just I want to go back to the just for a minute to the conversation we were happening having in the uh, you know in the earlier segment. I mean, it's it's clear to me that um, that your faith also has been an important part of getting you through all this and your you know your relationship with God and you've talked about that and the uh, you know and the importance of that. Can can you just elaborate on that? I mean, has that been a, a, a guiding Factor for you throughout your life is that something that really elevated during this cancer experience? I mean, because we hear a lot of people talk about the importance of faith when they're dealing with cancer.
3: Absolutely, Um, faith is everything. I mean, I'm not really big on religion. I'm not a religious guy, but I have a very, very, very strong relationship with God, and that was my motivation. That was my leading way. You know, he—I felt like he led me uh, to victory. He led me to be able to fight this thing. And I know He wasn't going to give me something I couldn't handle, you know. And faith is leading on something that you can't see. You know, it's very hard because if you can't see the destination, you know, it's not promised that you'll be successful or you'll be victorious. So you solely have to be vulnerable and you almost have to just let everything solely rely on God. And that's what I did. I did my part and I let God take care of the rest. And... It was it was a remarkable, excuse me, a remarkable outcome. Yeah. You know what I was able to do. The doctors told me was a miracle. You know they said what you've overcome and what you've done with the the, the, the tremendous tumor growing around your spine that broke your spine. I mean this thing broke my spine. You know doctors <laughs> doctors were going crazy because they misdiagnosed me. They told me you know they said I wouldn't walk again. They they told me that, and I laugh about it because I remember it so vividly. You know, they said, you know, Mr. Jacobs, I think you're going to have to look for another career because this is not going to happen for you. Yeah. And when those words came inside and I heard those words, it, 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 oh, it's so, it scarred me so hard. But that was the same motivation that I had to get better. So, you know, I'm really proud of myself, and, you know, I, I give all the glory to the man above.
0: Mm, mm. It's really, really powerful stuff. And so, when the doctors told you, you know, hey man, you might not even walk again, so forget about boxing entirely. At that moment, did you, you know, did you say, "All right, well, I got, I got, I got to think about a new direction," or "I got to think about this," or did you say in your mind, "Yeah, right, guys, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm taking this on. I'm going to do this." So say what you're going to say, but you don't know me,
3: right. <laughs> Exactly. And that's well, I think initially once he said you would not be able to box again, I think everything else from that point was like Charlie Brown. It was just like wah 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 <laughs> <No>, I didn't <laughs> I didn't quite hear anything else after that point. But no, in all seriousness, I um I use that as motivation, you know, I knew that what they was telling me was not true because it's like here I, is, here I am have boxed for ten years done it all my life, sacrificed everything that I had to become a world champion and to, to be this guy that I've always dreamed and to have someone tell me that I can't be that, that, that person or that I can't fulfill my dream. It just it couldn't sit well with me, and I didn't allow it to. And, you know, the determination that I had was I really complimented myself because it really took a lot. Even to learn how to walk again, that was the hardest part. You know, radiation was horrible, but learning how to walk again was very, very hard. You know, I was so weak. There were times where I couldn't even lift a dumbbell, you know, so yeah. I couldn't see how I would get better. But that that little fire inside me allowed me to overcome.
0: And did you say that to your medical team? Did you say, I'm going to get back in the ring, so let's figure this out?
3: Yeah, and they all thought I was crazy. Yeah, They all thought that this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, We're going to say, yeah, we're going to smile and encourage him. But, you know, (laughs) I knew that they knew. (laughs) I knew in the bottom of their hearts that they knew because it was too severe. My case was one of the worst cases they had in a very long time. Mm -hmm. So the possibilities of me getting better, let alone box again, let alone become the middleweight champion of the world, that's unheard of. So, you know, I was blessed to be able to prove everyone wrong. And knew, and I knew all along that I would be a champion one day.
0: So, so Danny, so tell us, okay, n- n- like normal, healthy guy, no cancer, right? What is the what is the sort of you okay? So you're gearing up for a big fight. What is the sort of pre-fight? training regimen I'm just trying to I'm just trying to outline this contrast for folks because you're telling us you can't walk you can't lift a dumbbell you're in chemo you're in radiation they take this tumor out so take us you know healthy guy fighting what's that regimen look like so we can have that contrast
3: <laughs> well it's is it's a very strict I can tell you that um, I remember post cancer the doctor uh you know they told me that I had to alter my diet and that I had to, you know, switch up certain things because uh, certain foods that I was eating was feeding my cancer cells. So uh, after switching up and, you know, almost becoming, you know, pretty much like a vegetarian and vegan, I think uh, that's the key to being able to have ultimate and optimum health. Uh, And that helps me in my career because uh, as an athlete, I need to be fit. I need to be healthy and be able to uh, perform at an elite, you know, stay at, at all times. So, uh, you know, a training segment for me when I'm training for a fight is nine weeks of just gruesome training, uh, you know, 10 mile runs, weightlifting, swimming, uh, hiking mountains, you know, you name it, we're doing it. Mm. So, uh, it's pretty gruesome.
0: (laughs) And so what was that? So what was the process for you getting through all of this this, this surgery, radi- I mean, you had every possible can, the kind of cancer treatment that one could possibly have. What was the process of getting back into, you know, fighting shape, and, and how long did that take?
3: Well, I think it took about maybe a year to get back mm-hmm. into fighting shape. You know, I told myself that if uh, I didn't look good inside the gym and that I didn't feel 100% inside the gym, that I would never... Uh, steps inside that ring and risk my life uh, or getting hurt. So uh, at the point where uh, we were training, I think it was important for me to just stay patient, uh, just to let things naturally heal on, on their own. I didn't want to really force or rush anything. Uh, I just let things take its natural course. Um, and luckily and, and fortunate for me, I was able to recover in such a rapid pace. And I remember my nerves. I remember the last stages of, of my nerves, getting better. And it went from that little twitch that I used to have to eventually walking into a, a straight line. And I said, wow, you know, I, I'm finally there. And I would say about uh, three, four, five months later, you know, we were fighting for the first time in, in, in almost a year and a half, two years.
0: Were there were there days or were there moments where you thought, oh my God, what am I thinking? <laughs> I, you know, I got to... I just should be happy with walking. What am I what am I doing here?
3: I think it was uh, the first time that I actually sparred when I which is like actual training boxing uh oh. when I got back uh Training in the boxing gym, and I, I sparred this little guy, and you know I said I'm gonna start back slow. I'm not gonna box guys in the gym my weight because you know they're a little heavy-handed, and I want to risk the chance. I want to start with the little guy. Maybe I'll be able to take their punches a little bit better. But this little guy, I mean. He hit me with such a hard punch, and, and normally it wouldn't be hard, but uh, I hadn't taken a shot in so long, so it kind of shook me up. And we laughed about it later, but afterwards I said, "Hey, do, do I really want to be doing this again?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, now I know you, were, you you felt like you needed to tell me what sparring is, but I have to tell you, Danny, I grew up in Philly and I grew up with three brothers, so you know I just want you to know I do know what That's sparring delicious. is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Danny, you've been quoted as uh, uh, as saying, we're coming up on a break here, but I want to ask you this question. You've been quoted as saying that being a cancer survivor gives you an edge that other fighters don't have. Describe that for me. Describe that, that strength deep down inside. What is that edge that you have?
3: Uh, for, for, for many reasons, but I'll name two. Um, number one is that cancer is the deadliest disease in the world. You know, and not only did I have that, but You know, what it's done to me, you know, it almost took my life away. I've seen death straight on. You know, the doctors told me that if I hadn't come in on that Friday, if I would have waited over the weekend, I would have died because the tumor was going at such a rapid pace and it would have slowed my heart down. So I've seen death at its door Mm. and the mental edge to be able to overcome that, Mm. In the way and the magnitude that I did, it gives anyone that mental edge and anyone that, that ability to believe that they can accomplish anything. If I can defeat cancer, I feel like there's no man in the world that can defeat me. And, that's, and, 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 that's, and, and, and that stands for a lot because, you know, that shapes my mentality with any venture that I go down, whether it's, you know, boxing or, or, or something else that I want to do of my life you know, mm. I will have that mental strength to be able to do it and overcome any obstacles.
0: And I and I imagine you find Danny and, and the people that you're you know coming across and talking to other cancer survivors you know obviously for you i mean this is such an extraordinary story that you're able to share with the world but you know i know for some other folks it is just a matter of being able to get up play with their children or their grandchildren maybe walk around the dining room table and get those things done and and i imagine that you probably see for lo- for lots of folks just re- even those little victories make a huge difference in the in the journey
3: it it, it really it really does i mean when i say i'm such emotional guy now like everything to me in life i appreciate i can walk down the street and i can see a beautiful uh the beautiful sun gaze into the clouds through through, through flowers and, and i can be at awe and just appreciate that and be in that moment so it's little things like that that i appreciate now you know walking down the mall or walking to the mall or, or jogging five miles when i wasn't able to walk before you know all these things i appreciate and It's all due to overcoming this horrible, horrible, tremendous cancer. And it was a blessing in disguise for me.
0: Mm -hmm. A blessing in disguise. We're talking to Danny Jacobs today, the miracle man. He is uh, the WBA middleweight champion. He is a cancer survivor and has overcome an aggressive bone cancer Uh, called osteosarcoma. We're having an amazing conversation today. Danny's story is really so touching and so um, inspirational. We've got uh, a little bit more time with Danny, a little bit more conversation. We're going to take a quick break right now, but don't go away. We'll be right back. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer.
2: a global network of education and hope.
1: Cancer, it's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand, choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you Break away from Cancer, created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer.
3: Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaides, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day
4: opinions options answers you're listening to voice america health and wellness
2: you're listening to frankly speaking about cancer with the cancer support community an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer now here's your host kim Tibaldo, president and ceo of the cancer support community
0: You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by Millennium and Amgen. I'm Kim Tebaldo, and today we're talking with Danny Jacobs. Danny is the first ever cancer survivor to become a championship winning boxer. Uh, so, Danny, all Fighters uh, seem to have a nickname. Uh, Robert, the Ghost uh, Guerrero, was actually a guest on our show, and he he talked about taking care of his wife uh, after her cancer diagnosis. Um, that he went you know, spent from spending time in the boxing ring to uh, changing diapers. <laughs> um, you know, I know that earlier in your career they called you the Golden Child, and now they call you the Miracle Man. Um, yes. Tell us the story behind these two these two nicknames for you.
3: Well. Um After being cleared by the doctors and, uh, you know, being able to box again, I I went back to the fans and after everyone knows my story, uh, you know, I asked the fans what would be a great nickname for me to box again because I felt like I had a second start. Like, you know, it was a new beginning for me. So I wanted to be uh, something different. You know, as far as the nickname goes, I wanted to represent uh, just all my battles and what I've overcome. So I asked the fans, uh on facebook and all all the social networks you know what would be a good nickname for me and i gave him some options and you know majority of everyone said that the miracle name uh is the best name you know and they said not only because it's deserving but you know you've earned that name you know we're not going to give it to you you've earned it so Mm uh My first fight back and, you know, hearing uh, the announcers say, the miracle, man, Daniel Jacobs, it just, you know, it it, it sent chills down my spine. And I remember that moment forever.
0: And did it it feel right right away when you heard it come out of his mouth? Did it, did it feel like you?
3: Oh, absolutely. Hair stood up on the back of my neck and everything. It just pumped me up, too. I wanted—I think I knocked the guy out that fight in maybe like 30 seconds. So that's the electricity that I got.
0: <laughs> mm, I love it. I love it. You know, Danny, when you climb into the ring, the world sees the tattoos of a ribbon and a bird on your chest that you yeah. chose. And they see a five-inch scar on your back that you didn't choose. What, yeah. what do those images mean to you?
3: Well, um, I chose to... Uh, put the tattoo of the ribbon and the bird on my left side of my upper chest because it's kind of close to my heart and what it symbolizes is the lady bird is the nickname we gave my grandmother uh who raised me and you know who passed away a couple of years from from cancer her name was lady bird so we looked we the bird and as far as the ribbon you know obviously after sarcoma, that's the the color of the ribbon. So we kind of combined the two and that's my logo now. You know, uh, that's what I've created. I feel like that's what represents me. And, you know, I I wear it with pride, you know, that's my stripes. And I didn't want to touch my scar because my scar for me was an indication of how blessed I was. I want to, I want to be able to see it. I want to be able to know it's there and I want the world to see it. You know, I remember a fan saying, you know, don't ever cover up that, that scar with a tattoo because, you know, that's, that's nothing you want to do because that's not a, a line, that's not a scar, that's a number one sign. And when he said that to me, it just you know I, I, I never looked back, and, and that was very special that I can view it like that, and I you know I have ever since.
0: Danny, you started a foundation called Get in the Ring. Um, tell us about that. What's the mission of the foundation?
3: Wow, Get in the Ring is uh, is very very precious to me because. Um, I've always been the kind of kid and the kind of guy that, you know, love helping people and the love especially people in my community, uh, to be able to give back and be able to support people. You know, I get a lot of support from my family and you know, from fans, so I've always loved to give that back. And when I had an opportunity to uh to start a foundation when I was I remember the early stages talking about it. Uh, I discuss exactly what do I want to touch. What topics do I want to touch? Because I don't just want to start a foundation, simply for just starting a foundation. I want to target things that are meaning to me, uh, excuse me, meaningful to me, so that I can be heavily involved and get the ultimate feedback, which is that feeling. You know, donating is okay. You know, giving back is okay. But that feeling you get when you help someone is. It's only tied to having something that you love and that your heart is tied to. So what I wanted to target was three things, because three things are dear to my heart, uh, which is obviously giving back to kids with cancer. Um, You know, going through that battle, I knew how emotionally uh, hard it was. Financially, it was hard, and and all across the board it was hard. So I feel like if I had the opportunity to to give back to a family who's struggling or to, to someone who's struggling, uh, and be able to do my part and to help someone just in a little bit in any, any bitty way that I can, you know, mm-hmm. I felt like I wanted to go that route. And the other two to- two topics that I target is bullying. Uh, you know, I think bullying is at its all-time high now as far as in the schools and children can kill themselves. It's, you know, the social media is causing children to feel pressured and, you know, to not be secure themselves. So it's at its all-time high, and as a parent as well, I felt like it was kind of important to target that because, you know, I was almost a victim. And the reason why I got into boxing was because of bullying. So that's also, you know, dear to my heart. Uh, and the last but not least is obesity. Uh, you know, ever being an athlete, being health conscious, and, you know, especially now being a cancer survivor, I also have to alter my diet. So health and nutrition is my life. And I felt like if we can uh, – find a way to, you know, show children and show people all over the world just how important it is to stay healthy and to, you know, become vegetarian, become vegan, eliminate the meats and things like that, that trigger and cause cancer, in my opinion. So, you know, those are the three topics that I wanted to, to target because those are all dear to my heart. And, you know, we're doing a pretty good job so far getting the word on helping mm-hmm. other people and, 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 and children. And, you know, I had an opportunity last 2 weeks ago actually I just visited Toronto and uh we had the sick kids it was called the, the the rally for kids the rally for sick kids with cancer and it's a tremendous tremendous charity uh what they do is they have celebrities come from all over the world and they have these exotic cars and you know we race around the city at different mm-hmm. checkpoints to be able to you know raise awareness and raise money to have a uh, you know causes for children with cancer. So it was one of the best and greatest opportunities that I've had in such a long time because, you know, during that journey and during that time, uh, we got a chance to visit the hospital where the actual kids that are battling the cancer were. So mm-hmm. I got a chance to really interact with the kids and just to see them, listen to them, hear them to their stories, and give them hope and, you know, share my story and possibly... You know, whatever way I can affect them and, and motivate them, you know, that's what I wanted to do. But to be there was truly, truly amazing. And this philanthropy role that I'm going down is, you know, I know I know it would make my grandmother proud. You know, mm-hmm. that's another reason why I stand strong behind this. And, and I'm so very proud of it because I know my, you know, my grandmother, who's a victim as well as cancer, will be standing in the clouds, you know, in and, and the heavens just looking at me saying, you know, I'm proud of you, my son. And, and you know... I couldn't see a better for you. Wow. it's
0: f- fantastic, Danny. Um, I-, I really want to thank you for coming on to the show today and sharing your story and taking the time to be with us. You're truly an inspiration, you know, not-, not because you won a championship, but because you've shown us that we should fight for our dreams, for what we love, no matter the challenge or the barriers, um, you know, in front of us. Uh, I want to encourage everyone to check out the work of your foundation, Danny. I want to send folks to the website. I think it's getinthering.net. Is that right? net. Absolutely,
3: yes. Thank you.
0: Yeah, so check that out, folks. And, um, uh, you know, it's been a great conversation today. I just want to remind folks that, um, you know, here at the cancer support community, we want to make sure that no one faces cancer alone. So if you're diagnosed with cancer, someone you love, uh, is diagnosed with cancer. If you're the family member or a friend or a loved one of someone diagnosed with cancer, come and can check out check out what we have to offer. Uh, if you visit us at www.cancersupportcommunity.org, you'll find a list of our 50 centers around the country where we're providing support groups, educational programs, nutrition, exercise, stress reduction. These services are free of charge for people with all cancers at all stages of disease, and for their family members and loved ones. You can also call our helpline at eight eight eight. if you want to speak to one of our uh, counselors if you're looking for uh, on the phone counseling or or uh, information or referrals in your community give us a call at 888-793-9355 this is frankly speaking about cancer i'm kim tebaldo and until next time be well do well live well